0: Welcome to Curva Mundial. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Curva Mundial. I am your host, Sal Bono, and today my guest is the co-organizer of Rainbow Toffees, the LGBTQIA supporters group of Everton. Please welcome to the show, Everton supporter, Mike Homfrey. Hi,
1: Mike. Hello, Sal. Thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. No problem. No problem. It's nice to have a chat to you across the Atlantic. <laughs>
0: um, I'm coming to you today uh, after a very interesting uh,
1: morning for me, afternoon for you, for, uh, for Everton. Um... Uh, yeah, I mean, we started, we certainly played a lot better than we have for some of this season, but clearly it's always disappointing when you lose um you can't get away from that and I mean although we did lose away to Southampton last year um I was hoping for better but so be it
0: you know it's it is interesting to see the team right now um Hmm. in this bizarre flux and we're going to get into that because I want to uh obviously I want to chat about you and the team as well and your relationship with them but to start off You know, in a city where you can choose from two clubs, similar to other Mm -hmm. cities around Europe, uh, and myself being in New York, there's a plethora of teams people can pick from, you know, in the sport that they love. How is it that you became an Everton supporter?
1: Oh, it's a bit of a long story, actually. Right. Well, I mean, I didn't really get interested in football until relatively late on, I suppose, to my sort of late 20s. And, well, I ended up supporting Everton. I had a friend called Graham. I met Graham via an HIV charity because at the time I worked within the HIV sector and um, Graham was HIV positive. Um, he, yeah, Graham is, well, Graham was a haemophiliac, interestingly enough. He wasn't a gay man. He was a haemophiliac, but he chose to work in the mainstream HIV Sector rather than in the specifically hemophilia-based organizations. Graham was really, really keen on Everton; absolutely loved them. And it was really through getting to know him. I, I suppose I picked up some of the enthusiasm. I was visiting Liverpool very regularly, and um, yeah, and, and picked up that enthusiasm. Went along with him a couple of times. Sadly, Graham died about a year later. Um, it was at the time where <coughs> the medications that are now available simply weren't available then and i sort of decided that a good way to honor him and remember him would be to support everton and i've supported him ever since that's such a beautiful story and like such a beautiful tribute
0: to what seems to be like a really wonderful person he was <laughs> um you know it's what I loved about this podcast is that I get to meet different people from around the world and hear yeah. their stories as to like why they fell in love with their teams. But that one really is like probably the most touching and most yeah. one of the more special ones. Um you know,
1: what would Graham you think would say about the team today? Oh, well, at the time when when I knew Graham, Everton were really struggling, actually. <laughs> so I think he'd be quite used to it. Um i one of the fanzines for Everton is known as when Skies are Gray which actually comes from a song that uh, Everton fans sing. And it's actually the name of the fanzine. I think it's a website now, actually, when skies are gray. And I mean, it always says you've got to have a pretty strong constitution to be an Evertonian. (laughs) I like that. You know, in a a time when Liverpool
0: dominate headlines, thanks to who's on that team and their manager, what's it like to be a
1: fan of the underdog now? Well, it's interesting, really, because in the city, I live in the city now and um, the, in the city itself, there are certainly as many Everton fans as Liverpool fans. I mean, Liverpool has a wider range in terms of international support. But within the city itself, there's certainly as many Evertonians, if not more. Um, I think it's very much a case of you support your football team because they're your football team. I mean, I don't think... We have this thing in, in the UK where we refer to certain types of football fans as being glory hunters, which means effectively they support a team because they're successful rather than any other reason. And there are certain teams which whose support seems to fluctuate depending on how successful they are. Chelsea in particular <laughs> have that um, uh, certainly have that reputation. Um yeah, but uh, I think. Everton certainly have a very loyal following, and goodness me, some of the some of the games we've had to see recently, you need to be loyal to to stick with them. But you know, we yeah, we we do have a very loyal following. I hope bluer skies are ahead instead of the greener. I hope. I mean, obviously, our concern is that we don't end up getting relegated. Mm. Um, we are perilously close to that at the moment, but you know, let's be positive and hope for the best. There you go. Um,
0: if you can, take me to the city center of what Liverpool is like, because in my mind, thanks to the Beatles and mm-hmm. thanks to uh, and thanks to the Liverpool Football Club just being a huge influence on the, you know, they're just a big team. And again, like I like the fact that there is a wonderful underdog team there, but the yeah. team itself they seem to dominate the headlines as
1: we discussed. Not in the city. No. I don't that's not true in the city, though, as I say. Great. Liverpool take Ever- me there. No, not at all. So, Well, Liverpool and Everton, then the grounds are about um three miles north of the city centre. And they are literally five, ten minutes walk from each other. Wow. There's a park called Stanley Park, Anfield, the, uh, the Liverpool ground. Is on one side of the park, Goodison Park which is our ground is on the other side of the park and they're literally 10 minutes walk from each other. Um, So I mean the the two clubs are a very important part of the city in all sorts of ways Um, you know they certainly bring a lot of people into the city but also they're I mean often people say that you know football in Liverpool is a bit like a religion you know you support your side and you support your side through thick and thin. And um, certainly, football is a very important part of the culture of the city. One of the first things, if you ever get into a taxi in Liverpool, one of the first things you'll get asked within the first couple of minutes is if you're blue or red. Wow. Um, that, you know, that's It's something really central to what makes up the city and you know what makes it tick. But the grounds are not actually in the city centre, they're about three miles north of the city centre. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you for clarifying that. Be- you know, it is interesting
0: hearing this perspective from someone that just like lives right in the middle of it. You know, Everton, the appeal has always been is that they're part of the working class of the city of the fans. Is yeah. that true?
1: Is that? I would say so, actually, yeah. I mean, I'd say that Everton have a very strong local following. Um, and yeah, I mean, Liverpool is a city that's gone through huge economic turmoil um, over the last 50 years or so. At one time, we had the highest unemployment in the whole of the country. And yeah, I would certainly say that um, the football clubs have a, a really important role to play in that. Everton in particular have a really strong reputation in that regard. We have a, an organisation called Everton in the Community, which operates community projects throughout the city. And it's really seen as the sort of blueprint really, for community involvement in football very successful and something that I think is again massively important to the city um <clears throat> I'd also say that the, the yeah I'd say also that the club operates a, a number of other sort of things as well there's a it runs an academy um for kids who perhaps haven't fitted in that well into mainstream schools and so on um the club also has a very strong presence within the city itself um you know via everton and the community certainly i mean one project an interesting project which does operate across the divide as it were is an organization called fan supporting food banks um and this this organization basically collects food at both home matches liverpool and everton and distributes that to local food banks for people in need and that's a joint initiative between both liverpool and Everton supporters um so you know the the clubs both the clubs are very much part of the city but I certainly think it's generally agreed that Everton in the community is probably the best example of that in the whole of the Premier League.
0: Wow you know in America Everton became such a huge club when Mm. Tim
1: Howard was the key. Indeed yeah he was our goalkeeper and he was very popular we all used to shout USA, USA every time he saved a goal.
0: So, yeah. You just kind of like answered the question I was about to ask, which was like, you know, was he <laughs> as huge overseas as he Because here it was like, you know, that to me, like when I think of my favorite player for Team USA – and the mm-hmm. Captain America, so to speak, if you want to use the comic book lingo, it was him. Yeah. You know, he was so huge mm-hmm. here. And that team was that he was the best advertisement for that club here in the States. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm happy to hear that
1: he was as big and appreciated overseas. Oh, yeah. he, was. Uh, he was very, very popular, very popular in the club. Indeed. Absolutely. We also had a player called Landon Donovan. Yes, of course. Yeah. That's right. He did but play for a minute. Yeah. He did. Yeah, he did. So, yeah, but Tim Howard was with us for a number of seasons before he returned to the States. And, um, yeah, he was he was extremely popular. He really was. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I forgot that Leonard Donovan had that like six month loan spell for from the galaxy. That's right. He
1: did me twice, actually. There were two, oh, he did? He did okay. two. spells with us. Yeah, he did two spells with us. Yeah. Wow.
0: You know, uh, a couple of years ago, my favorite manager of all time, Carlo Ancelotti, signed to the Toffees. Yeah. Uh, and shocked the world at his appointment. You know, did you yeah. feel as a fan that this could be
1: it? Like and but he left as
0: quickly as he came. Uh, like, what did you make of that? We-
1: We've had a bit, well, we've had a, a real difficulty with managers over the last few years. Yeah, We've got through six managers in as many seasons. And I mean, we had David Moyes for quite a long time. He eventually left us for a short-lived and not very successful swell at Manchester United. Since then, we've had managers, none of whom have stayed really for much longer than the season. And none of them really have clicked for various reasons. Ancelotti was a huge catch, but I don't think his heart was ever in it, to be honest. And I think it was pretty obvious when he got the offer to return to Real Madrid, he took it like a shot. The thing is, if you actually look at his past, he's not really a builder. And what Everton needs now is someone who can build the club and who can actually build us back. And I don't think he was really capable of doing that. And to be honest, his record wasn't really any better than any of the other managers we've had on paper. Of course, it should have been. It should have been greatly superior. The reality was it wasn't. Do you think it comes down to the players at that point? And do you still think it comes down? I think we have a, a a bit of an issue because we've had so many managers. Each of those managers has bought a different set of players. We've spent an awful lot of money on them over the years. But in many ways, they don't work particularly well together as a team. Uh, And I think that's been the problem. And I think that's something which Frank Lampard now is really going to have to work at because I think what we've had is a number of different players signed at different times who don't really gel all that well together. And I guess that's something which we're just going to have to see what happens over the next few months. But we made a couple of good signings and and let's see if it works.
0: Yeah, I I really, really do hope that Van de Beek shines for the Toffees. I I love that kid and I, I want the best for him. And it didn't work out at Manchester.
1: No, it didn't. It didn't. And Dele Alli as well, who got so well at Tottenham, has faded in recent seasons. But let's hope he can do the do the biz for us as well. I mean, I think there's a lot of goodwill towards Frank Lampard, certainly. And um, I think he does seem, he certainly is playing in more of the style that Everton fans want to see. And I think we all know it's going to be an uphill struggle. It's going to be a challenge. But I do think there is a, a feeling that we want to give him the best opportunity. The same couldn't be said for his predecessor, simply because of the history with Liverpool. And I just don't think there was the... I, I think there was always some suspicion right from the start. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think that was a problem. And uh, in the end, I think if he'd really succeeded, it would have been beaten. But because he didn't, um, I don't think it really improved matters very much. I agree.
0: Um, Benitez didn't make sense to like and I'm not an Everton fan and I was scratching my
1: head going like this doesn't make well, any think, sense okay he was available he lives locally and I think there was a feeling that well he does have a good record he has been successful in the past um, but it wasn't to be and I think a lot of fans were never really that keen on the idea although they were prepared to give him a try Interesting.
0: All right. You know, and Frank Lampard, you know, is such a Chelsea icon, but, you know, he has played Mm. other places. He, you know, and blue is his favorite color. I mean, at least you got something to come.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Um, And I think, you know, you've got to remember as well that for most managers, I mean, they're not fans. They're doing a job and they're getting paid very well for it. And basically, I want him to do a good job. I don't care what his background is on that level. And to be honest, I felt the same way with Benitez. I I thought, well, if he can do the job, fair enough. In the long run, though, he didn't. And that's why I had to go. All righty. Now I want to talk about something that's far bigger than Everton, and that is Rainbow Toffees. How did that come about? Right. And now this is interesting because Rainbow Toffees started off, um, it was started off as um, purely a Facebook page by a member of, would you believe, the Boston Everton Supporters Club in the States. Whoa! Who happened to be gay and was interested in trying to get something off the ground. I came across it, contacted him and said, right, what's this all about? And it turns out that because he was in the States, he was finding it quite difficult, really, to launch it properly and to have contact with the club and so on. He said, I think I really need a few people on the ground. And I said, well, I'd certainly be willing to help. I contacted a couple of other people I thought might be interested and basically he handed it over to us. Um, Myself and Paul have been basically holding the fort ever since. Um, We still basically use Facebook as our means of communication. We have a successful um, Twitter feed as well, which we use quite a bit. But, um, you know, so we keep we try and organise ourselves quite informally. But we are actually one of many LGBT plus groups um, within British football. I think every single um, premiership club now has a supporters group and some lower down in the league certainly do as well um, but we're, we're, we're quite interesting in terms of the way we started because there is that link with the states and also you know um, and, and that's the way we sort of developed so there we go and your Twitter
0: page is like taken off. That's how I found out about you. Now I look for yeah, the Facebook. the well. Twitter
1: on the Facebook page are very successful. We get a lot of hits, and you know, yeah, it's very, yeah, it's good. We do obviously have good links with the club as well. It's something we try and build. Um, the two of us, Paul and myself, who do most of the administration of the group. My role, Paul's role is mainly he he do, he organises events, and in particular, I deal with a lot of liaison with the club. Um, and we just have a, a new um, diversity and equality coordinator at the club, actually. So we're quite looking forward to working with him and maybe doing some different things in the future. I love it. I mean, I also love the
0: amazing kits that you came up with. Like, what, can yeah. people get those? How can they
1: get them? Football and... versus homophobia shirts, you mean? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how many we've got left at the moment, actually. Um, but if people go onto our Facebook page and pop a message on there, Sign up and pop a message on there. Paul should be able to deal with that. I'm not absolutely sure of what the situation is at the moment and whether we have any left or not, if I'm absolutely honest. We do have various other bits of merchandise available, certainly, but that's something you... People go onto Facebook, have a chat to Paul, and we'll see what we can do to help. That's great. That's
0: great to hear. I mean, they're they're amazing. You know, we'll... Will we get to a point where we get to see the players playing them
1: one day, do you think? I don't know. It's interesting, actually. You should say that. I'm not sure whether they could play with them for an official match because obviously they have to have sort of registered shirts and so on with the Premiership and so on. But certainly, yeah, we, we've certainly had occasions where they wore rainbow armbands, for example, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, earlier this year, um, Hummel, who are our sort of um, sportswear sponsors as it were came up with a sort of equality shirt which a limited edition release it was really good and I really would like them to develop something more permanently uh, which people could actually buy on a more permanent basis and that's something we've started to discuss with the club as well. That's fantastic you know I
0: recently spoke to Ryan who runs Proud Terriers the Huddersfield Town LGBTQIA plus supporters group Yep, and we discussed as you said like the number of groups that have come out and that every team and some of the lower division teams have mm-hmm. for the LGBTQIA plus uh, community and more and more popping up, which is fantastic and a great, great. way for fans to connect and push the so.
1: forward. Yeah, very much so. And we have organizations like um, Pride in Football, for example, who try and bring all these groups together so that we can learn from each other and share ideas and so on. And that that, that can be really helpful too. There are also other groups who operate you know, on a more sort of Um, I suppose, more corporate level, trying to raise some of the issues. There's a group called football versus homophobia who are very involved with that. You know, so there's a a lot of good stuff going on. I think sometimes it can be a little bit frustrating and it can feel a little bit like an uphill struggle. But, um, you know, there's certainly a lot of useful and relevant activity. And that's something which, uh, you know, I've been very pleased to see. That's fantastic. You know, it's
0: sports for everyone and the work you're doing is so important and the work that the groups are doing that is so
1: important in showcasing that. It certainly should be for everyone, shouldn't it? I mean, it's an odd thing though where we don't have a single openly gay player in the entirety of the premiership. Now, I think that suggests to me that there is still some degree of homophobia at at that level.
0: You know, what's interesting is that in the States, and this is not to compare athletes from different parts of the world, but, you know, I've seen athletes in the NBA, you know, rightfully protest police brutality. I've seen athletes, you know, obviously in the NFL, Colin Kaepernick took a knee, you know, and the, it's the knee scene around the world. And now Premier League players are taking a knee and, right eight, so, yeah. all, you know, all wonderful things to push the needle of progress forward. But mm-hmm. you, when you have someone like LeBron James or Colin Kaepernick coming out and supporting this... You don't see, and this is not to throw Ronaldo under the bus, but if he's the face of the Premier League, you don't see a major player even in the Premier League. Like, I don't see Harry Kane saying
1: anything. I don't see... There there have been some to be fair. One of our players, Richarlison, has certainly said something. Jordan Henderson for Liverpool has certainly been outspoken on the issue. So there are some. Mm -hmm. But I think it's interesting, as I say, I think it's particularly interesting that we still don't have any actual openly gay player right. who's come out and said, I'm gay. I cannot believe out of all the players in the premiership that they're all heterosexual. I just can't believe that. Right. But certainly on a public level, that is still the case. You know, it's... How does that make you feel? Um, bemused, actually, on one level. Mm. And a little bit frustrated because I do actually think it's going to be very important to make sure that we do um yeah I think it's going to be very important to make sure that we do um create the sort of environment where it's players feel that it's something they want to do I think perhaps as time moves on it's almost inevitable isn't it that there are going to be young players who get involved with clubs perhaps at academy level um who are already out and it won't be perhaps such an issue for them, but um, it certainly still seems to be at the moment. So, yeah, what can I say? Um, It is quite frustrating, and we're all sort of waiting maybe for the first person to have the courage to do so. It does appear, doesn't it, that football is somewhat behind the times in comparison to other aspects of society. Having said that, it's not the only sport with the problem. Can you think of an openly gay male tennis player, for example? Mm. I can't.
0: So, no, it's you
1: know, true. Yeah. It's not just football. Having said that, football in, in the UK, at least, has such a huge sort of cultural importance that I think an out football player would make an enormous um, impact for that reason. Mm-hmm. Well, I, no, I, I think the real test is going to be is Premiership football, in particular, a space where an openly gay player and feel safe and comfortable to come out for sure and do you feel that's like
0: important. do you feel that it's
1: not safe at the well, moment well no one's done it so I can right. only assume there must be right. a reason for that mm-hmm. um yeah that's all I can say really I mean whilst someone hasn't done it what can you say you know it's difficult to argue otherwise right right you know what is
0: interesting though is is that you know, what Rainbow Toffees, as we discussed, and all the other groups are doing is so much bigger than football and bringing inclusivity, yeah. and awareness and a safe space sure. for fans. You know, there are over 50 LGBTQIA plus supporters groups in, in mm-hmm. just in the UK alone. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Like, and it's, you know, but you don't hear that coming from other countries, you know. So what do you say to someone who's listening to, say, mm-hmm. Spain or in Italy mm-hmm. or even in the U.S. Yeah. right now to that's, craft
1: their I own mean, group? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know in some other countries they, there are certainly supporters groups around. Certainly, I know there are some in Germany, for example. Mm. I'm not quite sure. I, I mean, we've had, there have been international conferences held of supporters groups. So I know they do exist in Europe, for example. I guess, really, if people want to start a group, all I can say is go ahead and do it. There are all sorts of ways that you can do it. And you only need a couple of people to get it going, really. And um, try and spread the word as best you can. Certainly, social media is a good way of making a start. And um, you know, I I think it's something which I would, you know, say to people: Yeah, if it's something you want to do, go ahead and do it. How fulfilling is it for you to be doing what you're doing? Oh gosh, I enjoy doing it. I mean, sometimes it can be a little bit frustrating, and you feel perhaps you like to make a little more progress than than you are. But I mean, having said that. You know, it's something I choose to do. It's something I've chosen to be involved with. I'm not quite as involved as perhaps I was a couple of years ago because of the COVID issue and so on. A lot of the things that we used to do, we weren't able to do. And we're only really getting back into gear now in terms of some of the events, you know, or some of the liaison with the club that we used to have. I mean, as you probably know, football was effectively closed down for a year. The playing went on, but in empty stadiums. So there was, you know, what we we actually tended to have sort of Zoom discussion groups before matches with uh, the opposing clubs, LGBT plus supporters groups, for example. Um, but, I mean, a lot of the things we would have done with the club, we just couldn't do over that time, as you can imagine. So, you know, we are sort of getting things back into gear now. And as I say, we do have a new uh, equality and diversity coordinator at Taverton, So we're hoping to work with him very closely. Fantastic.
0: What are some of the things that you do uh, with, with the group, with Rainbow
1: Toffees? Right. Well, we, as I say, we have a number of different sorts. We we do quite a lot of work with the club in terms of working with them on events they organise, policies, um, things that perhaps are part of the sort of national calendar. Although I, I think there's a feeling that we want to do things that are away from that as well. We do things because we want to do them, not because it's a particular event. You know. Uh, something with Paul my, my colleague has started to to organize he's got together basically a rainbow office football t- football team um and we play other organizations basically organizing sort of charity matches and that's something which we've done quite a bit of we've organized social events in the past as well again that's you know gone by the by a little bit over the last couple of years but I'm certainly hoping that um You know, I'm certainly hoping that uh, we will move back into doing more of those sort of things. And as I say, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing what happens with the club and the ideas that they have to promote um, equality on the broad level, really, at at Everton. For sure. Now time for a coffee break.
0: Curva Mundial is sponsored by Mod Cup Coffee in Jersey City. But you can get it anywhere in the world from modcup.com. Mod cup, Drink modern coffee. Use code MUNDIAL for 10% off your first order. All right, Mike, um, we're about to hit my favorite part of the okay. podcast, which is three questions I ask every single guest.
1: Um, okay.
0: Rapid fire questions uh, about your fandom and for the club. Uh, don't feel no pressure. This is the fun part. This is the fun part. <laughs> okay. So we're in the home stretch. Yeah. Okay. Is that- I call this the home stretch. So if you could bring back one retired player to
1: your club, alive or dead, Mm -hmm. who would it be and why? Dixie Dean. Wow. I mean, way before my time, but he's a legend. Dixie Dean is just a legend. I think it would be amazing to see what they could do with him now, given the sort of advancement in things like nutrition and training and so on. Yeah, Dixie Dean. There's Uh a statue of him outside Everton, outside the park end. um, yeah, absolutely, Dixie Dean. All right. Now,
0: pretending money is not an option, despite the fact that uh, Everton does have a lot of money, but this is fantasy football now. If your club could yeah. sign one player today, who would it be and why?
1: Oh my goodness me. Um totally I've totally gone blank, you know. What a question. Uh um You know, sometimes you can ask a question and my mind just goes completely blank. And I guess, oh, gosh, Kevin De Bruyne. Okay. If we were going to stick to the, you know, to to players currently based in the UK. I mean, again, he's an amazing player. He really is. And um, he's made such a huge difference to Manchester City. What's funny is is that... So that he, so
0: far, I've recorded now one full season, which has been going up um, and currently in production of season two. He's the one player that has been picked
1: the most by far. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, uh, I'm not surprised. It's the consistency and he's just such a creative and inspiring player to watch. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I'm going to make the same joke that I've made to every single person that has picked him, which is, doesn't he look like Prince Harry? Like, that, he fits <laughs> the UK he so he's well. Blonde,
1: he's blonde rather than ginger, but yeah, there is a certain but number there, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: and now, finally, what has been your favourite moment as a fan of Everton?
1: Oh, gosh. um When we beat Liverpool 3 0 in the derby a few years back, I remember Andrew Johnson scored a scored during that match. And that was a great feeling. Derbys are not usually very good games, if I'm honest. There's a lot of tension around. You always get massive to bookings, usually a sending off or two as well. And footballing, football-wise, they're not usually terribly good. We don't have a very good record in terms of derbies. We tend to either draw or lose, but that was one I remember very well as winning. So that's what I particularly remember. What's that feeling like
0: getting one up over your next door neighbors?
1: Well, you know, it's a good feeling, but, you know, I, I mean, let's be honest, we all, you know, I live in Liverpool, I know lots of Reds, you know, I, they're, they're my friends, my neighbours, I don't have any problem with Reds, I mean, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of sort of needle going on between us, but ultimately, we're all football fans and we live in the same city, and I mean, I certainly have worked with Paul, who runs the Cop Outs group, the Liverpool fans group, we've organised stuff together, you know, and um, ultimately we're on the same side when it comes to LGBT plus rights in football. So, you know, we want to work together on that just as much as, you know, we're rivals, we'll always be rivals, but we also know where we need to work together across that divide. There's a beautiful life lesson
0: right there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mike,
0: thank you so much. This has been so great. Follow us on Twitter at Curva Mundial Pod and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.